God is good. Amen. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. As we continue our journey uh, here in the book of Ephesians, and I want to now again remind you, please, because very often I will get little notes, sometimes dropped in the tithe box, sometimes I'll get emails, and some of them are not, uh, well, they're, they're less than sweet. <laughs> yeah, they're words of discouragement generally. Um, but sometimes I, get, I, I will get those things because people don't understand that in this church we teach chapter and verse through the entire Bible. And as such, you got to get part A, B, and C before you get D, and then you need E, F, and G after that, followed by all the way to Z, number 7. You need to have the full counsel of God's Word. We've made that very easy for you here in this church. Okay, Very easy for you. If you have missed a message, you can always get a CD. But... Easier than that is all you have to do is log on to our website, calvaryrs.com. You can click on the study. They're normally up within one day of them being delivered here. Uh, that includes our ladies' studies. That's our men's studies. That's uh, all the things that happen here at the church. You can simply click on it and listen online. And the reason I'm sharing this is you must get all of the component parts of these messages, otherwise you're going to come to the wrong conclusion. You're going to get, well, you know, I heard Pastor Jeff say, and then, well, the following week I might just give you the balance to that because Scripture normally balances things out like love and fear. Amen? Remember that one? Okay. We have another one of those things today. This horrific, ghastly, evil word that has taken a connotation in our world called submit. And so this morning we're going to be focusing in on exactly one verse. Uh, That one verse is going to take us a while. So as we turn our attention now to verse 21, I really want to go back uh, just a little bit to verse 20 because it provides for us some insight. Because it says in verse 20 of Ephesians 5, giving thanks always for all things. How many things? All things. So giving thanks always for all things. Notice what it says. To God the Father. Okay, Why would that be said? Because God the Father's plan is the plan that we're all on. When we speak of the will of God, we're speaking of the will of God the Father. He had the plan. Jesus provided the sacrifice. The Holy Spirit gives the power. It's an easy way to kind of assemble those component parts, if you will. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the context is very clear here. It's looking back on the preceding verses of walking upright in an upside-down world. Redeeming the time, walking in the light, being an imitator of God. Remember what we said as we began this study. The first three chapters are doctrinal. The last three chapters are applicational. And so as we look at this verse that I think has been abused, maybe like no other biblical concept, it's been used to explain away the diminishing of roles in marriage. 
It's been used to demean women. It has been used to beat up men. Uh, it's been used to do all kinds of ghastly things that frankly have no basis in Scripture. The submission that we see in this passage is submission to being light. It's submission to God the Father's plan. We already saw it in the life of Jesus as we celebrated communion. Can you imagine if Jesus, on that fateful day, he's meeting with the disciples, he stands up and he goes, this plan stinks. God's not here. He's not dying for you guys. I'm dying for you guys. Me, right here. Holy Spirit isn't going to the cross. Now, we have a tough time because all three parts of the, of the Godhead are God. But nonetheless, Jesus did the dying, amen? Jesus did the bleeding. Jesus took the beating. Jesus was the one he legally tried six times. Can you imagine? Well, I think we can come up with a better plan. You know, I mean, did you actually consult me on this, Father God? You ever thought about what the word submission means in that light? Jesus was fully God. Don't you think that he could have come up with some other plan? I guarantee you, as God, because Jesus was also God, though he was in a man's body, I'm sure there could have been, well, you know, we're just every third Thursday, we're going to come up with some kind of sacrificial thing that everyone will do, and it will take care of their own sins. Uh, that had already been tried, by the way. It's what the Old Testament system provided for. Submission runs from Genesis to Revelation. It is not a Pauline thing to beat up you ladies, okay? We need to put that to bed. Jesus himself submitted to God the Father's plan. And so it says in verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now you understand why it's so important that we looked at on one side is love, on the other side is fear, and in between is the grace of God. The grace of God is sufficient for all of our needs. The grace of God is expressed on one side supremely in love and on the other side supremely in fear. Because if you will not do what you need to do out of love for God, then you better do it out of fear for God. The choice is yours. The choice is mine. I can be obedient to God the Father's plan. I can submit to his will. Or I can rebel. And if I rebel, then over here is fear. That's why it says submitting to one another in the fear of God. Because on the other side of not doing it willingly recognizing that God is God, Jesus obviously himself got that point. Amen? He said, isn't there some other way? And that's a paraphrase, and perhaps it takes it a tad too far, but nonetheless it provides us with the point. Jesus could have folded his arms. He could have stood in front of Pilate, said, I'm not guilty of anything, and uh, I quit. These people are not worth it. I mean, look at the course of human history. Do you really think me being God is, this is somehow fair? 
Can I share with you true biblical submission has nothing to do with fair? Hear what I just said. True biblical submission has nothing to do with fair. It has everything to do with God's sovereign plan for your life. And because God has a sovereign plan for your life, he puts other people in your life. And you will be in submission to those other people in your life in the fear of the Lord. He has a structure. And because he has a structure, just like Jesus followed that structure, so we follow the structure. I want to set aside a little bit of time this morning because I think it's extremely important as we look at this. You see, Christianity, as it spread, was completely new territory, culturally speaking. Women had been, at the time that these, written, these words were written, authored by the Holy Spirit, penned by Paul, women were property. They were little more than property. Nice property, property with whom you were generally on good speaking terms, but nonetheless, property. And so by the time we come to the gospel era, by the time we read some of the letters, we find things like Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. It says, there is therefore uh, no Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's not male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That was mind-bogglingly different than the culture that they understood at the time. You mean there's equality between the genders? Absolute and total. You mean that Jews and Greeks are supposed to have the same destination? Absolutely. You mean that free people and slave people all have the same rights under Christ? Yes, that's exactly what it says. Doesn't mean that all people have the same circumstances. It means that as far as God is concerned... There's one plan, and that one plan includes everybody. There wasn't one plan for the Jews and another plan for the Greeks. There wasn't one plan for men and another plan for women. There was not another one plan uh, that would include all the impoverished people and another plan for those who had wealth. You, you get the picture? God the Father's plan is one in which we all take our part wherever we fit, and any sense of value, and nail this point, value, we are all exactly the same. And so, we look at submission in our modern cultural context, without that cultural context, and all of a sudden it's, well, I'm not submitting to anyone. I mean, after all, my husband's a jerk. You know, I'm not going to do a single thing he says. Because, mean. And then the husband says, well, I'm not going to do that. You know, she hasn't earned the right for, you know, for me to actually live sacrificially for her. Do you understand why it's now important that we submit to God first? It says, submitting to one another in, very important word, circle it, the fear of the Lord. You're submitting to each other insofar and in course of and in the presence of a singular being who alone in the universe is sovereign God. And he has a plan. You're not simply submitting because 
the Bible says so. And people are looking, what? Yeah, be very careful. Because people make up their own list of who's going to submit. And how they're going to submit. And why they're going to submit. The context is we all submit to God first. So that means if his word says it, we do it. That means if he's established structure and order according to this, that's the structure and order that we have. It's not arbitrary. It's God's plan. So to have a proper understanding of marriage, which is where we're going next week, we need to have a proper understanding of submission, because without it, you will not get the picture. And so this morning, for the next 15 minutes or so, that application of walking in the light. Remember, chapter 4 said this, it said in verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, that we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, who is Christ. So who's the head of every family? Christ. Who's the head of every husband? Christ. Who's the head of every wife? Christ. Who's the head of every government, whether they like it or not, or acknowledge it or not? Christ. You see, he actually calls the shots. God the Father had a plan before the foundation of the world. That's why Jesus Christ was seen as the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. God the Father always had the plan. So in essence, there's always been a plan for us to have a right relationship with God. So to clear some things up, second slide, please. Let's get some misconceptions straightened out. Doesn't mean that you become totally passive. Amen? Doesn't mean that you are voiceless. Amen? Doesn't mean you pretend ignorance. I love that one. People pick and choose what they want to know about submission, and where they don't like it, they simply ignore it. Well, I'm not going to do that. But I like this part over here. Doesn't mean glossing over the truth to keep from avoiding not being submissive. Amen? Can I tell you that a lot of people like to pick and choose their favorite Bible verses? Well, if he does this, or she does this, or if I do this, and I do that, then I expect this, or expect that, or if this, 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 that, then. None of what God's Word says is contingent upon the other person keeping their part for you to keep yours. Did you hear what I just said? You are responsible to God irregardless of whether your spouse keeps their part. Ladies, if your husband is not being Jesus and he decides that he wants to deal crack, you are under no obligation to follow him into the crack business, okay? None. You follow God at that point in time. But that doesn't mean that everything else that God's anointed him to do and be like a good father goes out the window. It doesn't mean all of a sudden everything becomes a bone of contention. And the same is true on the other side. Men, if your wives are not submitting like you think they should, that does not mean so mean that you can be mean-spirited, evil, and angry with them. 
You are to love them supremely and alone, as Scripture says, even if you think they don't deserve it. You understand why it's very important that you understand we're submitting to God? Guess what it does? Tremendous equalizer. I submit to Christ. My wife submits to Christ. We submit to Christ together. And as we do that, then we have a common place where each of us can be held accountable to our roles in marriage. And we'll move on next week and begin to look at those individual component parts. So what does submission not mean? doesn't mean that there's authoritarian, loveless domination of one person over the other. So when I get a husband that comes in, well, she won't submit to me, which some of you guys do, okay? You're not submitting. First thing I say, are you being loving unto death? Well, but she's not submitting. No, you missed the point. You're not being loving unto death. And then the wife has her part. Well, he's not being Christ-like. Are you submitting in the fear of the Lord, whether he's being Christ-like or not? You see the point? It makes it real easy to put everybody back on the right path. Submission is essential in all human relationships. And so as we look at what it is not, we can now kind of move on to what it is. Go to that third slide, please. What does submission actually mean? It's a single word. It's translated all kinds of different things. But I want to give you another passage to look at. Turn, if you would, uh, to John chapter 6. It is a Greek word that's used in the New Testament over and over and over and over and over again. And it's, submit, it's very often translated submit. Um, but it comes out as uh, being subject to, subject in, uh, under the authority, there are all kinds of English words that we translate submit, but it's a single, typically Greek word. It's the Greek word hypotasso. And here in John 6, pick up in verse 35, And Jesus said to them, For I am the bread of life. So pretty clear what he's talking about here. I am the bread of life. In other words, I'm going to provide that bodily sacrifice for you, and he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that I that you have seen me and yet do not believe. In other words, they had actually seen Jesus do all these things. They still didn't believe. That gives you an idea of the darkness of men's hearts at times. We can actually see the Lord and still not believe. And we're going to get to that in a little bit. That's why it's important that we keep God the standard. So we're submitting to Christ. We are hypotasso to Christ. His standard, His word. What God the Father would plan out, map out, that's what we do, period. There is no other standard by which we will be measured. All that the Father gives me, notice, will come to me. But the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven, notice the words, underline them, not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Those are the words of Jesus. In other words, to submit to hypotasso to God the Father. Jesus was in full submission to God the Father. And this is the will of the Father who sent me, that all he has given me, I should lose nothing but should raise up on the last day. 
And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have everlasting life and will raise him up on the last day. So if Jesus was submitting to God the Father's plan fully so that you might be saved, that is exactly what it says, by the way. The result of Jesus' submission to God the Father's plan is that you get to go to heaven. Is there anything that you could ever possibly conceive of on this earth that would be tougher than that? The answer is no, because you can't save yourself and neither can I. So submission, in a biblical sense, means that God calls the shots and what he says we do. Period. You know what that does? Gets rid of every single lame excuse we can come up with with why we're not going to do what God said. Well, I don't want to be loving. You don't have a choice. I'm not going to forgive then you better read your Bible, because Matthew 18 says, if you don't forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. Well, I don't feel like being merciful. Well, you might want to read your Bible, because it says, he who lacks mercy himself will not receive mercy. You get the picture? It levels the playing field. Everybody's now got the same standard. So when someone has an issue, guess what you can do? You can simply go to God's Word, Seek the face of God the Father, follow what he says, and get the ship back on the right course. We submit. I submit to the Lord. And my submitting to the Lord is not going to cause me to maltreat my wife. I can guarantee you that. My submitting to the Lord unto death is not going to cause me to be an overbearing husband. I can guarantee you that. I guarantee it. It won't happen because Jesus isn't like that and his word doesn't declare it. It levels the playing field. I want to ask you a couple of questions. When you think about your walk with the Lord, would you agree that perhaps one of the greatest threats that we face is what I like to call a a vocalization followed by socialization? Uh, That would be when you tell a lie long enough and loud enough that people begin to believe it. Amen? That's what happened in the 60s, happened in the 70s. Well, we're going to go a different path. We need to be liberated from these biblical doctrines that have, you know, just stomped people into oblivion. And so people began to teach two sides of this issue wrongly. One says that you ladies have no voice in marriage. That is is absolutely false. It is sin. The other is, you ladies get to argue with your husbands over absolutely everything, including where they do whatever they do, however they walk, if their nose hair is too long. Well, you trim your nose hair or I'm not going to kiss you. (laughs) Both sides are false. Because neither side can be measured by the word, neither side can be measured by love. But if you tell something long enough and loud enough, people begin to believe it. Well, you just need to submit, woman. My pastor said you need to submit. See, it says right here, you submit. So on one side, you have the legalism of, 
you ladies need to submit. Guess what happens if you look at the other part of that, which we're going to do. And husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life for her. So part of that submission, gentlemen, as we'll balance all these things out in the next two weeks, is you need to be like Jesus all the way to death if necessary. Let me give you a little preview. You act like that, your wife's not going to have much problem submitting to your authority because you're going to be just like Jesus. She's got a problem with that. Guess who she's got a problem with? Got a problem with God. That's not your problem. That's her problem. Second question. And it's a very simple one. Because your Bible says that there's such a thing as demonic faith. Not submissive faith. Not Bible-believing faith. But demonic faith. And there is really a single difference. What is that difference? What is the difference between real faith that saves and demonic faith which does not save? It's real easy. It's the word we've been looking at. It's submission. It's obedience. It's doing what God's word says. The result of that is God calls the shots. That's why when people say, well, I have Jesus as my Savior, but then they're you know, still doing all the devious things that they did before they supposedly got saved, I will look them in the eye and say, if Jesus is not Lord, he's probably not your Savior either. It's about the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That word means mastery. That's where James 2.19 comes in. Because the demons know all kinds of stuff about Jesus, but they do not know Jesus as a Lord. The demons do not follow what Jesus says. The demons simply know that Jesus is, in fact, the Savior of the world. They know that, but they don't believe. So submission becomes about, in that case, real submissive faith, about doing what it says. Amen? So submission, the short route to it, is that we do what God's Word declares, and that way He's the boss. He calls the shots. And so as we think on this singular word, you need to throw away the old stereotypes of bad theology. And frankly, I've heard messages come from pulpits, I just shudder. I have heard people teach things like, well, even if your husband's going to ruin your credit, you just go ahead and do whatever he says. That is moronic, and it's unbiblical. Ladies, you do not have to sign loan documents when your husband goes out and takes out a third so that he can go get his bass boat, okay? You are under no biblical obligation to follow your husband. That's not submitting to Christ in love. That's being a dope. That's not using your head. That's being a fool. And you are under no obligation whatsoever to follow your husband off a cliff. That's not being loving. That's not being good. That's not being kind. And it certainly flies directly in the face of the plain teaching of Scripture. 
When you see evil, are you supposed to run to it or away from it? Uh, that would be away from it. You see, there's error on those signs. And if we put God back as head, and Jesus is the manner in which we get there, and the Holy Spirit is the power by which we do it, we end up back in true biblical submission. We want submissive faith. And understanding that, it's basically that old 70s bumper sticker. It said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Amen? That's submissive faith. That's if we can't work things out, we go back to what God's Word says and what God's plan is, and that is the plan, period. And so if there's an issue and God's Word speaks to it, we simply do what He says. We go, oh, okay, I'm submitting to that. And truthfully, there's only one being in the entire universe, exists in three persons, called God, who's 100% good. Amen? That's why when you have problems in your relationships, and whether that's with husband and wife or with your children or maybe your parents or whatever, and you, and you have some kind of issue, if you both love the Lord, guess where you need to go? God's Word. We pull out God's Word and say, what does it say about this? And if we find an answer there... It is not negotiable for you, period. God's Word says it. So when somebody says, I have the right to be bitter, no, you don't. You don't ever have the right to be bitter. You don't ever have the right to be unforgiving. You don't ever have the right to have retribution against some other person on this planet, especially your spouse. You know why? Your Bible says so. You don't have the right to be mean-spirited and angry. You don't have the right to be punitive towards your spouse, towards your children. You don't have the right to make up your own rules as you go. As a Christian, you are submitting to God. And as you submit to God, he's the one that sets the standard. So ladies, if your husband comes and says, well, I want you to wear granny dresses. You need to stay in the kitchen, be perpetually pregnant. You can say, my Bible doesn't say that. And then see what your husband says. Because he's got a problem at that point with God. That is an indefensible stance to take according to Scripture. Period. It doesn't say it. It's an extreme view. Now, if you happen to look at your Bible and you both come to the conclusion, I think that's what God wants us to do, that is a different matter. But when someone comes to me and says, well, you know, this guy told me and I read this book, and it says, you know, the only way to do this is to blow up your TV and throw away the paper and move to the country and build you a home like John Denver said, then uh, that's what we should do. Ladies, you can tell you by, well, it's a little extreme, honey. Maybe we shouldn't, uh, we should probably pray on that a little longer. But it doesn't mean being mean-spirited and contentious and angry to get there. You see, you submit to God. You begin to pray. You ask the Lord, Lord, what would you do? How would you want us to handle this problem? What, what is it that would be the most glorifying to you? What path could we embark on if we got there? What would be the ideal standards whereby these things would happen? And that's where you're going to find submissive faith. That's where the rubber is going to meet the road. And so finally, one more slide here real quickly. 
Submissive faith is not some kind of spooky, mystical, it's profoundly practical. It's like a child that says to his father, because, because, because I know you love me. I know you have my best interest in mind. You're, you're my dad. You would never do anything to harm me. You wouldn't make my life intentionally miserable. You get the point? That's submission. Children, when they look at their parents, are supposed to look at their parents and see a glimmer of God. Christ went to the cross because he loves us. You see, God's part in salvation and sanctification was a free gift of grace, which included the death of Jesus' son. Amen? You get it? Jesus submitted to God the Father. Anything that's less difficult than that would mean our lives are pretty easy compared to having to die for our own sin. Wouldn't you agree? So if Jesus took care of the hard part, then how tough is it for us to do ours? I just say, you know what, Lord? I want to walk with you. I want to submit to your authority. I want to be in rank because that's what the word submission is actually a definition of the word hippotasso. It is an undermission. It's sub. It's below the mission. God's the head. Jesus is the son. Holy Spirit's the enabler of all these things. And we're someplace underneath that. We submit to God the Father. And basically what's in view here is that if we're actually filled with the Spirit, we reflect God's goodness, we reflect His character in our speech, in our attitudes, and it manifests itself in submissive faith, which is simply the willingness to do what God the Father says. I just go, man, you love me enough for Jesus to go to the cross. I'm pretty sure the rest of the things that you're telling me are going to also not only be true, but for my benefit. And so I say, praise God. And so as we submit to one another in the authority of Christ and Jesus, we're basically just saying, God, you know what you're doing. Help me do that. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the price that was paid for us. And God, as we think about this principle, Lord, as we honor you with our lives, and Lord, give ourselves fully to your plan, we pray where we need correction, you'd provide it gently and lovingly, carefully, concisely. Lord, sometimes we don't get it. Lord, sometimes these principles go over our heads. But help us to lovingly find that spot to where we're fully submitted, not with some kind of demonic faith, just simply knowing facts about you, but in Christ-honoring faith and in your Lordship that says you indeed do get to be the head of our lives. Lord, that we listen to you and we hear your voice. And when we do so, we act on it. And so, God, because you love us, we just honor you by submitting. Lord, help us to walk in your ways. Help us to experience the blessing of being in the center of your will. We love you. We praise you. We ask all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand and let's worship the Lord and then we'll ask God to bless our offering.